Welcome to this week's edition of Skip the Tutorial number one video game podcast in Dallas. I'm one of your hosts this week, Bryant Klingberg Daniels, and joining me across the universe on Skype is none other than Todd Kevin Samuels Fortner. What's going on, man? Oh, man, you know, God bless the dead. Uh, doing good. Doing great. God bless Do you know the who dead. Kevin Samuels is? No. I'm going to be real I, honest with I, you. I, My didn't, brain, I didn't think, I didn't think yeah, you did. Like, we've yeah. been doing this for a minute, and you did great with the intro, because I, I I think I fucked you up last week with, with Ryu Hayabusa. Yeah, um, I couldn't say that name to save my life for some reason. No, man. Uh, R.I.P. Kevin Samuels, though, man. Like, he was a controversial dude that... Uh, oh, was he the dude with the glasses? Yeah, he was the dude yeah. like, yeah, you average at best. Yes, like, How would yes. you refresh yourself? Yes. One out of ten. Like, yes. no, like, like you, you know, real controversial. Uh, like, people been actually, uh, from what I understand... You know, glorifying it and you know, happy about his death, but uh, he was. <laughs> I yeah, like he was I was. I heard about that on. Um, I think it was TikTok. Somebody posted it, and I looked him up, and I was like, "Oh, I know that guy." Like, well, and to be very transparent, okay, it's super selfish because it's like, yeah, I, I wanted to bring it up, but the truth is, it's very personal. Like it, like the way from what I understand, what's available in reporting right now is he died like my biological grandfather that I never met died. Like that's what my mother told me. Well, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. he died fucking a, a a bitch in a hotel. You know what I'm saying? And, and any real motherfucker that you know, like, what wouldn't want to go out like that? Please watch Charleston's white viewpoint on it, because that's the way I look at it. And I mean, I can't help it. That's a legitimate true story that my mother and my grandmother was just like that. He went and shit, and he died at forty on top of a bitch. Like I was like, wow. No, okay. Oh, wow. So when Kevin Samuels went out like that, I think it was inherent. Like, well, I mean, if you're gonna go out, we all gonna go one day. You know what I'm saying? Why not come and go? Why? <laughs> I mean, you know what? Why? Why not? Why not? You might as well. That was old. Uh, what's that? Uh, that always reminds me of a, a Rob Ford, the the former Canadian Prime Minister who remember he was a he was he was the dude who got caught in the hotel with the two women, and I think that's how he died. Was he came and went? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like. He was high on cocaine. He had two women with him. Right. It was some kind of like fentanyl report at first, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it was fentanyl or dick pills. But, you know, Kevin Samuels, I think he was misunderstood uh, a little bit um, because the thing with him was, you know, they were focused on how he was shit on females. But I just watched the video where he was questioning the motherfucker's dick size and money account and reason why females wouldn't deal with him. It was he, he seemed pretty honest on both ends. I didn't necessarily agree with him all the time on yeah. the fanny packs and stuff, and there were rumors about him being gay and all this other kind of stuff, which I wouldn't have gave a damn about anyway. I, it's not that deep, but I do appreciate people that I feel like they try to come from a whatever their yeah. truth is, and it's I think it's sad that he passed away. But from what I understand, he was a um, Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor, yeah. so they they are more prone to having heart attacks, which I mean even more so like. You fucking a bad bitch, and you just you know, your heart give out in the COVID era. That's not. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, yeah, like sad man. It is. It's sad. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. Not in death. 
now uh but i mean it's it's uh it's it's definitely a different world right now it's it's you know you talked about we've been talking about fentanyl and i decided to like look into that a little bit i'm just like man that's a dangerous ass drug bro that is a dangerous ass like i was looking into that shit and like they got fentanyl patches that like constantly feed people and they're like yeah but you can't get to that until you've been through all the other painkiller levels first I wonder if that's like how Doctor Strange too, if that's what kind of fentanyl feels like a little bit. What I kind of saw like with the trippiness, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm sure that feels more like a, or it sounds more like a boo 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 kind of drug <laughs> that brings you down, like jazzy, as opposed to hallucinogenicy. Yeah, I'm I forgot sure. we are live, right? We are live, dude. We're live right now. And don't worry, nobody's here go yet. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Good. good, good. <laughs> if this is. If this is your first time joining us, though, uh, welcome to the show. We're a video game show. We talk about video games, the news, and a roundtable. This week we'll be talking about some gaming news. We'll give a movie review. Uh, we've got a little bit of news this week. And then we're going to talk about the state of gaming journalism and how how stupid it is. <laughs> it's just so... And why you probably shouldn't listen to critics. <laughs> Except us. Listen to us. Listen to no, don't even listen. And to then us. we we might get into how stupid that is as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe some pros and cons of of the state of the reality of the game and journalism as of right now. But I'm I'm actually excited to hear a little bit. I know I say that all the time, but uh, you got a couple of games. I think I do I do before I get into the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. I got. Excited. I got three games, two of which I completed this week, so we'll talk about a little bit about that. You ready? Well, did you want to switch it up? How you want to do it? We didn't talk about that this week. Uh, yeah, I can talk about the games. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think that rolling into the news is going to be a little bit better. Uh, just with, I, I think, with your review than rolling into the gaming news. I think that overall that's going to be a little bit better. All right, so the first game that I've got up this week is Tunic. Tunic, Tunic, Tunic. Shout out, boss man. Shout out, boss man. I absolutely agree. Uh, Tunic's Tunic's a great game. But I wanted to talk a little bit about it here. Um, Tunic is an indie game that has recently come out on Games Pass. Well, recently, within the last month or so. It's got some very, like, Zelda-esque vibes with Dark Souls bosses. And it's got a really unique system of discovery in the game. And the, the, the discovery in the game, Todd, is as you're playing through the game, you find pages to an old school gaming manual. Um, and this old school gaming manual gives you clues to how you navigate the world, how you defeat enemies, and how you unlock areas of the world. Um, the, the thing you quickly realize, at least I realized pretty early on, is when you go to the pause screen, Tunic goes behind the gaming manual and as it goes behind the gaming manual it's on a crt television so it's pretty clear to me that the developers what they're trying to do is they're trying to ultimately emulate what it was like to play uh, nes game as a child and as they're um and that explains kind of the language behind the game itself and the actual uh manual because most of the manual is in a foreign language that you don't understand you can't read it You're, you're just picking up clues as to what the game, the gaming manual is actually trying to tell you. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the combat and the boss fights. Really do feel Dark Souls. You do have to use dodge a lot. You have to use your shield a lot. I mean, it takes time to really learn the patterns. 
Um, and the exploration, especially in the first two thirds of the game, was a lot of fun because I was using the manual and I was relying on picking up pages and pieces of the manual in order to understand where I needed to go next in the world, um, which I thought was a really, really clever tactic. Where the game sort of falls apart to me um, is in the last third, if I would say. It's like kind of the last portion of the game itself. Uh, there gets to a part where you've, you've gotten a lot of the pages, you've explored the area, and you've gone, okay, well, I, I know what I need to do based off these manuals, and then you can unlock the last boss fight. Well, there's kind of two mindsets here. There's a portion of people who there's additional dungeons that are available to you. And these additional dungeons unlock different treasures and they're all hidden throughout the manual to where you can go find them. There's 20 of them and there's puzzles on how to unlock these, unlock these dungeons that are hidden in the gaming manual itself. That's where it falls apart to me because I had no interest in doing that. Um, I really, the, the best way, and I've been thinking about this since I beat it. The best way that I really can compare it to is when I got to the last hour or so, I was ready to be done with it. I was just, and it's only a 12-hour game, max, 12 or 13-hour game. Uh, but when I got to the very end of it, I was ready to be finished, and I had no more drive to explore further or to unlock these dungeons because I was like, well, I can just go beat the last boss now. And that's what I did. I decided to jump in and, you know, there's going to some be some people who really engage with this game, especially with the puzzles, and they're really going to love it. There's a whole subreddit dedicated to it, talking about the puzzles, talking about solutions, the different hidden secrets they find. And I think that's really cool. Like, you built a little community around this game. I mean, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. The art style is wonderful. It's got this two and a half D isometric appeal to it where you have to change the camera angle to solve certain puzzles. Uh, the, the combat is challenging. Um, it really is, especially for the boss fights. Um, but overall, it was kind of one of those games where it's like, okay, this was nice. That's, that's really what I can say is, this was nice. For 12 hours, this was nice. Like, I, I enjoyed it. The thing about a game like this is because of what they do with the manual and what they do, and this will get into the gaming journalism conversation a little bit later, but with what they do with the manual and what they do with uh, the actual puzzles and what they're trying to say, because the actual name of the game isn't Tunic, and I'll let any, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I was able to decipher that part of the instruction manual. Um, and that was sort of exciting, but outside of that, um, you know, ultimately, I just didn't have enough drive to really want to dive into this game. But journalists, there's going to be certain outlets like Kotaku and probably Giant Bomb that are going to put this as their game of the year. Um, so don't be don't be fooled. It's not going to be for everybody, just like Elden Ring is not for everybody. It can be a frustrating game. Now, the one thing I will say is the accessibility options I really like because you can turn on no-fail mode where basically you're invincible and no, no stamina loss. So if that's what you want to do, if you want to get in the game and all you want to do is explore the puzzles, turn that mode on. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's there's not an issue with that whatsoever because that's what those modes are for. Um, so is it worth free or Xbox? <laughs> do you are you glad that you got an Xbox Game Pass subscription because of it? Yes, yes, okay. I am. Yeah, I I am glad that I got the, the the games pass for it. It was worth playing. Like this is not a game that I think if I would have paid full price twenty nine ninety nine, what it's at right now thirty bucks. 
Um, I think I would have forced myself to find more enjoyment out of it than I actually got, if that makes sense. Um, overall, I, I'd probably give it, if I, uh, I don't know, 30 out of 40, I don't, whatever the rating is, like right. seven and a half out of 10. Right. If you want to put it on that, like it's a good game. It's, it's an enjoyable experience, but it's going to, this is really a game that just like Elden Ring, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of the game. Right. Is really right. how it is. And that's what kind of, that's, I guess, to make my main criticism clear, when you first get into it in those first two thirds, you're forced to go decipher things. You're forced to use the manual, look for pages so you can unlock different parts of the world. And that's what I really liked because that's what I like about Zelda is you're forced to solve puzzles and dungeons to move on to the next part of the world. And I like it when the game kind of has to like wrench you into a position where there is no moving forward until you solve this, this puzzle or this issue. And then in the last third, they just kind of drop that, that motif altogether and it just becomes almost a straight, like, well, if you want to get to the end, you can get to the end. It's just a straight combat game. There's no real puzzle here. Just go for it. It's, it's not difficult to find out because we've given you everything you need. Um, good. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the developers do next, to be honest. Because um, this was a really clever a, a, a clever experience. Seven and a half out of ten. If you got Games Pass, it's totally worth... If you're into Zelda and you have Games Pass, it's totally worth just jumping in and finding out if it's, if it's for you. Um, Alright, so the next one I got is... I, I played Trek to Yomi. Trek to Yomi. Trek to Yomi. This one's interesting, Todd. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. Because I really like the story on this one. Um, it's short. This game is very short. It's extremely short. It's, uh, uh, it's about three and a half hours, four hours long. There's, there's really not much to Trek of Yomi. But that being said... Artistically speaking, this is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Just the, the the choices that they made, the decisions that they made in this game to uh, force the camera angle where you couldn't change the camera, the story they were trying to tell, which was a straight narrative, felt like an old samurai film. I mean, it really felt like I was playing through an old samurai film. And that's what it was, is... Because the, you can tell the focus was not on the combat or the puzzles. Because the combat's not difficult. The puzzles aren't really difficult at all. Um, it is trying to tell you a narrative in a very intentional narrative. Um, they understood. I guarantee you they understood this game was going to be about three and a half hours long. And that's what, it, that's what it comes down to. So there's not a lot of exploration. There's some replayability built into it. Because you get to a point in the game where you have three different paths you can choose. And so there's three different endings to the game. And I think with a game that's about three hours long, if that's something you choose to do, am I going to? No. Like, I got my fill of it. But I could see where people would come back and explore to see if they couldn't unlock different endings. Um, overall, it feels very... I don't know, man. Like, it's hard to describe. It's just gorgeous. Like, it's just like... It was, it was so sumptuous, and it was black and white, and had the film grain... And the styles and the shadows, like, this this is for an argument for me. Trek to Yomi is that argument that this is more of an art piece than it is a video game. <laughs> like, that's that's exactly, this was, 
this was an experiment in art more than it was a video game itself. Um, and I really, really like it, dude. I really like it. Um, I would give a high recommend for this one to be played over Tunic. And the reason I say that is because it's so short. It's very straightforward. There's no hidden paths. There's no real branching or exploration to do. But if you like old samurai films and you appreciate art design in games and really unique art design to say that, this is one of those that is totally worth just running for about three hours. It's not gonna it's not gonna kill your system. It's not gonna destroy your system. Um, you know, you could probably run this thing on a potato. You may have to change it a little bit to medium graphics, but um, I'll get in a little bit into the combat. The combat is basically dual combat style. You fight enemies one on one. Rarely do you have to fight more than an enemy at once, even if there's multiple on screen. Um, and most of your combat's built off of parrying. So you parry attacks in order to get openings, in order to strike against people. And the parrying system is not difficult. They give you a lot of room for negotiation. They give you a lot of room for error in the blocking system. Um, was there any frustrating fights? Not really. Even the last boss was kind of... I'll put it this way. The last box was relatively a joke itself. I mean, it, it just wasn't... It wasn't anything to write home about, but the way they wrap that story up and the way they tell that story, it really made me think. And I was like, I appreciate that. Like, I really, I really appreciate the reflection on duty or honor or anger. <laughs> like, you know, duty. 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 Um, but if you want to feel like an old school samurai film, like you're playing through like a Kurosawa movie, this is perfect. This is this is a perfect All right, example. That leads me that leads me to the obvious question. This is personal. Yes. Again. Yes. So because I of course, you know, I love this type of shit and I almost got it. But let me ask you. Yeah. Is it worth me taking time to download my shit with like not the best download speeds where it might take a little time and I have to go through a little bit of a process on PC to play this game for three and a half hours, or would it just be better for me? personally knowing how much of a fan i am of this based on infamous just it kind of makes me just want to go back and play ghost of tsushima where they have a kurosawa like where there's a whole mode for that and i can get like endless fun out of it and i personally just like it's one of my favorite combats up there like scarlet nexus ghost of tsushima like as far as like personal favorite combat for me yeah I, I, the more I hear about this game, the more I want to go back and play Ghost of Tsushima. The combat in this game is not the point of the game, for sure. Right, um, that's what I'm this, saying. The, for you, I would say yes, it's worth your time downloading. At least okay. to get the first couple of chapters. Because um, I kind of want to get Sifu. That's another thing. Like, yeah. I, I, As opposed to, I almost would rather pay for Sifu. Because I got a problem right now. And I, I think it's a yeah. disease that's spreading that we're not talking about a certain strand. And it's the Elden Rings. Like, yes. I've been honest about it, but I have been infected a little bit with the Elden Rings as far as my game. And it kind of just, I think it fucks you up. And then shout it out, we talked about it last week, but as far as comparisons with the whole weird shit going on with the Quantum TV and, and how I think he's like Mr. Glass now a little bit. Um, but it was so, it's solid rev, not soldier rev, solid revs review. I think yeah. the Utah guy was talking about it. But how it was solid rev was talking about Elden Ring made him want to quit gaming. But I think it's 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 an, it's got an infectious kind of thing to where it kind of can, I don't know, man. Like it, it'll just you gotta put so much into it. I think sometimes if you're gonna get into that type of game 
where I, I found myself not really it's hard for me to find something else right now maybe it's not you know maybe it's because it's nothing big out i am excited to try to get into a little bit of fifa but that's kind of honoring a homie just to kind of wash it off i almost could get back in the horizon but it's been a bit of a tapering off effect because yeah. of the elden rings yeah i would trek to yomi is a very different game it's, you know, Devolver is the publisher, and it's 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 very different than Ghost of Tsushima, and it's very different from uh, Elden Ring or anything out right now. The, the reason to play Go- Trek to Yomi is really the artistic nature of it. I mean, it's an art project. It's, it's, it's an art project. It's a narrative-based. It's not a difficult game. If this was longer and they were trying to do more exploration and it wasn't so on the rails, I would say, no, it's probably not worth it. But for what they were going for, the fact that they have a lock camera angle and some of those environments that you get into are just so gorgeous and so, like, just breathtaking in a way that I've never seen. Like, they were trying to get as close to a samurai film in a video game as possible, and they succeeded. They succeeded. And I would say more than more so than Ghost of Tsushima, because Ghost of Tsushima is a very different game. It's still got the open world elements... It's still got the mode that you can turn on, yes, and it's still got a great story, but it's long, and it's it's in depth and it's engaging. Trek to Yomi is okay. We're gonna make a Kurosawa movie, but that's exactly what we're gonna do: is we're going to transpose a Kurosawa movie into a video game, and that's what they did. They succeeded at that part, and that's what's beautiful about this game. Um, I would actually, I. I don't want to take away too much from it because I didn't, not that I didn't enjoy the combat. It was just very simple and not that, um, you know, the game was short. So I don't want to take that away from it because I understood what they were trying to do. I would give this an eight out of 10. And, you know, this, this just for pure artistic sense would make probably my top seven at the lower rung tiers just because of how beautiful the game is. I mean, the shadows, the black and white scaling, the film grain, the soundtrack, the dialogue, all of it. Um, it's just a very different style game, and I appreciated it. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend that. And it's a short, and it's, and it's not very big. It's, I think it's a few gigs, like a couple gigs. Like, it's not a large game. The one thing I will say that this exposed, though was a flaw in the Xbox Games Pass where you have to be online to use it. Um, because last night I got to the last boss fight, beat the last boss, it rolled the last cutscene, and then my internet disconnected, and so my game shut off. <laughs> it was just like, no, you're not online. You can't use this if you're not online. you got to go update these permissions and settings. And I did not know that was in Games Pass. Where you have to be online. To, well, I guess this has to connect to your Microsoft account. Um, makes a little bit of sense. But, you know, at the same time, I had to go back in and fight the last boss again just to get to the final cutscene. Um, so, yeah, I'd recommend this game. Uh, just And knowing you and knowing how much you love art and just kind of like aesthetic appeal and the way something looks, this would, I think this would strike, at least play the first couple of chapters and you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't think you'd have to That's, finish uh, the game. But, I yeah. don't doubt you. I don't doubt you at all. It's just, like I said, maybe it's just I've been thinking about Ghost of Tsushima. You brought up a good point because, I mean, it's a whole Kurosawa mode in that 
game and it's reminiscent of like what i liked about that because when i really i played in kurosawa mode i'm that's what i'm playing in on my second run through on my new game plus not the first one so the first one i did with the full color pad that i loved and you know i love that game so much just the little details they put in there when you're walking through the fields and your hand will brush the flowers or the wheat that's in there and just the combat's one I, again. It's a top rated. Like that's an art of it within itself. So I know it's it's a repetitive game loop that people get tired of, but it's kind of like a built-in choice in how you can make it. It's almost like making your own kind of samurai story the way I would yeah. be able to imagine it. So I could see where where also you have a a good experience with like a fixed camera. We're gonna take you down a narrative driven road with that. Um, you know, but. Yeah, okay. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent narrative driven. There's, there's mm-hmm. no like, the the most choice you get in the game is towards the last part of the game where they're like, hey, what path do you want to go down? Another thing about Ghost of Tsushima, I wanted to shout out Lord Raleigh. That was that bought that that end game. I felt was like one of the better end games for me personally in yeah. quite some time too. That was a fun ass end game, yeah. challenging. You know what I'm saying? You felt like there was like a proper build up the whole way through that that you know and then even the way it ends off and resets and everything was pretty dope that's that's one of my favorite little things like that so any games that like that's why i might i might ch- i'm gonna definitely download it based on what you're saying now but the more i think about it too instead of going back to that i think El- the elden rings may have given me enough patience to want to check out sifu too but yeah, yeah I'm, gonna ch- I'm gonna check out sifu um and I'll say this, like, Trek Naomi, those first two chapters, Todd, max are going to take an hour playthrough. They're not very long. This this game is super short. It is, it is, I mean, real short. Like, this, this is maybe a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour game max. I mean, I beat it over two nights, and the first night I got all the way to Chapter 6, and then last night I think I was Chapter 6 and Chapter 7 took me an hour and ten minutes, maybe. Like it's 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 a very short. But then again, I looked at their, I looked at Devolver, the publisher, and I was like, man, y'all make a lot of these. Y'all made like one of my favorite games, which was like Katana Zero, like a few years ago on the Switch. Like that's a very short game too. That's it's only about three or four hours long. So they kind of they kind of seem to be putting themselves in a position where this is the kind of stuff they're developing. And publishing is these very short, narrative-driven, interesting little little games that, you know, back in the day they wouldn't have ever made it to a platform. Um, you know, back in 2012, it's stuff like this wouldn't have been out if Steam or Epic like was really able to get those things greenlit. So, yeah, those are my reviews for the week. The only other game I've been playing was Remnant from the Ashes with Bob, um, and that's that's two-player Dark Souls. With guns, I mean, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a blast. I fuck with Remnant. Shout yeah. out Booty is Bob, man. All things coming together like booty, motherfucking cheeks. I was checking it out on Twitter. All hell, Elon Musk, man. Nah, but uh, nah, that's dope and much appreciated. Cause uh, I remember Boss Man bringing up Tunic and being able to, for for you to cross that over and confirm that shit. I might have to check. I might check them both out. Fuck it, why not? That's the, why not. They're I mean. Free. That, but that's the crazy part, man, because I, I know Xbox taking money out of my motherfucking account. I, I, I ain't been fucking with it since Halo Infinite, which started out great. You know what I mean? And I would never, I, I don't, that's one subscription I don't want to get rid of. But I'm still really like, oh, man, I, I, it sounds fanboyish. 
but uh i've been really uh, loving my playstation you know so well this will be good maybe that'll be something too to get me off of the elden rings man but great reviews as usual trek to yuma because i was back and forth on it but i think you sold me on it just for you know gamer health good narrative that's what's up but uh yeah man so doctor strange 2 can we talk about that multiverse of madness can i get into a little bit that yeah let's talk a little bit about doctor strange 2 Man, I love this motherfucking movie, man. Now, since this first things first, we talked about it a little bit in pre-show. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to spoil anything on this one because I really, really firmly believe you are doing yourself a huge disservice if you allow yourself to be spoiled on this. Um, I want to say it's really a good theater movie, a good theater experience. If you want to traumatize your child, uh, I love like, it. Probably, I love it. Like, like, After like kids. Six, six years old or some shit like that, you kind of want to traumatize them. You kind of want to, I want to go home. Like a couple of scenes like that. If you just, yeah. if you're into that, you might want to bring them. If not, you know, this is a definite PG 13. Like, I would, a hard PG 13? I don't know what the fuck Disney got going on, man. But uh, I had, I, I'll say this too. I had tempered expectations for it. But, um, Man, I, I was going back and forth. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's been a long time since I had this much fun in a movie theater, yeah. especially with everything going on. Uh, you know, I think we talked about it before we went to go see it. I, IGN, speaking of gaming journalism, uh, I, IGN gave it a 7 out of 10. I wholeheartedly get that because the cheese is strong within this one. Yeah. The cheese is strong, like Elden Ring boss level strong cheese. But, like, for me, I can man nine out of ten, ten out of ten. I'll give you ten point six seven, nine point six seven, seven to eight nine. Or who gives a fuck about numbers and shit like that? Like I like Leprechaun three, like or two. I do too. Sure. Like, I like them all. Like, and, and, but and, and more importantly, man, like when you dig deeper into it, we talking about a Sam Raimi movie, right? So it depends on what type of fan you are and what's going on. Um, you know, you go down Bender Bender Dick. I mean Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, you know, he's Sounds being like Bender a porn, Dick Cumberbatch. Porn star name, really. um, and uh, you know, you got America Chavez in the movie, which is just the fucking. It, it just these things like it don't. It doesn't feel like it's coming together. Like America Chavez, the controversial uh, Hispanic American or whatever Mexican American, whatever she is. I think 2011 when she first originated, um, and just the suit in the power set and everything it didn't yeah. do well there was some concerns about it i loved her in the film i didn't think i think what they did so well in the movie with that is it really didn't overshadow dr strange like this is still a dr strange movie it's not america chavez's movie and that's a fine line to kind of you know try to balance a lot of times that a lot of films i don't think do a really good job of doing that like yeah. that character generally really becomes like kind of st- sticking them like it's weird dead weight like uh, kind of feel i didn't get that at all like i liked her character the controversy around saudi arabia banning the movie behind the uh, lesbian couple in it like normally i if it was worth it to me i would say it but that was like the stupidest shit ever like it wasn't even there's so much r- ridiculous shit going on on this film like it didn't make sense to me at all after seeing the film for them to even yeah. focus on some shit like that. It was the most, it, especially the way it played out. It was it was actually really fucked up if you think about it. But that's a whole nother story for another day once people more people have seen it. But I mean, Wong, Sorcerer Supreme, 
they kind of I think they could have did a better job a little bit, you know, giving him a little bit more highlight. But I, he was great to me. I had a lot of fun with it. And it's again, it's a Doctor Strange movie. It's not a Sorcerer Supreme movie. It's Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness. So I get that, too. And then you got Elizabeth Olsen and Scar- Scarlet Witch. Woo, bro. Like. Man. Amber Heard times KO Ken 10, dog. Like that shit was it, there, there's certain parts that. It's one of those old school kind of horror films that, you know, it's not supposed to be funny, but you almost got to laugh at certain parts. Yeah. But it's still horror in this. Definitely yeah. horror in it. Like, I'm telling you, there were more moments that the crowd and everybody, including me and who I was with, was like, oh, oh, this is why you don't want to spoil. If you spoil it, you're going to miss out on it. Like, and I've heard, like, in multiple screenings, there's been claps in the same part. Like, that might annoy somebody. Like, I'm trying to watch the goddamn film. I think I saw that yeah. on a on a on one review, but um, but no, it the, I enjoy those types of things, and it's, and it's been a minute, and it's, it's different than like a Joker or Batman in the theater kind of feeling. It's like that yeah. popcorn flicky '90s Friday the Thirteenth kind of more a little bit of a feel, but it's a Marvel movie, so it, you know it's strange. Like they took it places where even Batman didn't take it. Like the scenes that I'm talking about is the reason why you don't want to spoil it because you want to that's a part of it like if you hear about it beforehand it's going to completely take away from experiencing it and having that that shock moment you know but uh so sam raimi did a great job with that and i mean um even down to the rebecca mcadams or christina uh rachel Rachel mcadams yeah yeah rachel mcadams sorry i'm just looking at a couple of notes i took down like i said i'm trying not to spoil it but um I don't know. Like, that was kind of weird or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that wasn't necessarily, like, the strongest point in the movie, but it added to some of that natural, good old-fashioned American cheese yeah. that builds into some of the more entertaining, amazing scenes that I've seen in a minute. And just to go down a few things, like, to background what type of movie you might be going into, because this is what we wanted. I wanted to focus on. Just as a reminder of who Sam Raimi is, like you said, I know you in particular. Like, I'm talking to you as my friend. Yeah. Like, you're big into like Evil Dead. You know what I'm saying? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell has one of my favorite cameos, and it's really just silly uh, and out of place. And I will, I'm not going to, this, I don't consider this a spoiler. I consider this good information. There are two end credits. If you've seen that, they're worth staying to watch both end credits to me, period. But um, yeah, but Sam Raimi, <laughs> this is the guy that's responsible for the Evil Dead series. Yep. He's responsible for the original Spider Man series even though spider-man 3 was trap trash to me a lot but you gotta go back to like 2002 2004 like 2002 original spider-man with william defoe you know he's this is the man that uh what else did he do um dark i mean man. dark man i, I dark love man, that, that shit the quick and the you know dead what I'm saying? That, but that's the one the quick and the dead that's the one we was talking about i was bringing up in the the pre-show with you with gene hackman and Russell uh and Leo, young Leo. Like that's a that's a movie I love that, that movie. people, you know, of this but right, and a lot of people of this era never even heard of the quick of the dead, but it's one of those kind of movies that I still think kind of that carries over. So to take all that kind of chemistry and formula, mix that with the uh, Benedict Cumberdatch and um Sherlock, 
Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch. I mean, let me respect that man's name because he's a talented actor. Obviously, is, some of the writing, writing in the movie was it felt purposely cheesy. That was another thing. Like some people will complain about the wig that he had on, but I feel like if you watched Army of the Dead, like all of this makes sense and what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's uh, it's just a wild fucking ride that. <laughs> You're gonna. Uh, I mean, it, it, the fact that they he was able to put all of that information in a two hour film, yeah, was another testament to how good it was too. Um, Drag me to hell. That's the other one. Sorry, I was trying to think of Sam Raimi. I love Drag Me to Hell. Right. That's a great PG thirteen horror film. That's a PG thirteen horror film that freaked my Eyes life the out. Great with James Franco. Yeah, that's one of my kind of Sam Raimi experiences. That's. That's a good comparison as far as like a little bit unexpected nature, but he brought a lot. He, it, I feel like he brought all of that shit to the table with this one, all the way to the end. Like there's some set pieces in here that is Disney-ish. Like you know how it is. Disney has the formula for the CGI and building the environment and everything else. It's like when they just bring in these directors in to put their flavor on it, and this is a Sam Raimi fucking film down to Bruce Campbell from. Yeah. The way they started to the way they wrap it up. Um, yeah, and there's the. Uh, um, I was going to tell you a real quick story about my one minor connection with Sam Raimi. Is I met his brother at Dallas Frightmare Fest in 2016, and if you don't know who Ted Raimi is, he writes a lot with his brother Sam. They wrote a lot about Evil Dead, and there's a movie called Intruder from the 80s that they that Ted Raimi was in. Um, I met him in line to meet uh, the great Italian horror director, Dario Argento. And we just struck up a conversation, man. We spent about 40 minutes in line just talking, me and Ted Raimi. Got a, got a picture with him. He went up and talked to Dario, and he sat down at the table with Dario. And I was like, man, that was that was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And Ted Raimi this was is cool. the This is the reason why I can't wait for you to see it, yeah. because that's why I'm kind of like really harping on it, too. Just, you know, outside of all this other shit, like, I know you're a real fan of this type of thing. Like, this, certain movies and certain things I could see as a normal person, or even like me, that can be a little bit more, um, like, just naturally less critical of certain films and give them a little bit more rope. Whereas, you know, technically, you gotta more proficient sometimes based on experience. But just a movie that you can have fun with finally, this is one where. Yeah, man, this is a palate cleanser, bro. Yeah. Especially because, like, again, what better time to have a Sam Raimi movie named Multiverse of Madness than now, literally. And I'm telling you, like, there's a scene, bro, like, and I can talk about this because this is already out. But, like, the the weird Deadfoot uh, Elizabeth Olsen Scarlet Witch scene where she's chasing them down. Like, this, it's just... It's that that's well done. And from what you've seen, it's not going to ruin the film. But I definitely would say, again, you want to go see this in the movie, support the movie. I'm sure. So I think I already saw it. I think it already made at least eighty five million dollars, which, though, it's rated seven out of ten. It's one of those movies that's also going to be one of those cult classics, I think, um, once it's all said and done. Uh, and for me, it's again, it's a personal favorite. I might be a little bit recency biased with saying top three. But definitely easily could say it's one of my top five favorite anytime comic movies. And it's one of the most comic book. You're going to hear this and it's true. One of the most comic book movies you're going to see in the sense where 
if you're you've taken all these Disney projects, you've taken WandaVision, you've taken uh or the Ultron X-Men movie, you've taken Doctor Strange one, the original, you've taken so many layers of content and you're wrapping this storyline into a storyline that exists and makes sense. Uh where it when you put that in a Sam Raimi kind of chemistry with yeah. it, what if series? Like there's certain things in a two hour, you know. The I, w- I gotta say this because it's already out there. It's already you know trailers on it. The Illuminati, right? But just don't spoil yourself on that shit, right? L- allow yourself to be surprised. It's just a fucking amazing ride, man. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait for you to see it so we can really, really dig into it because again, it's a very difficult movie to discuss without spoiling it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's really difficult to really get into properly without giving up too much information. It's definitely one, even more so than Batman. Like some of the information, like when I put out, by the time I put out the the lead scene with the joke or whatever, I feel like it doesn't ruin the experience. This one is is one you definitely want to go into as blind as possible. But do you have any like questions as a huge Sam Raimi fan that's met them personally? And it's the like I get it. You know, I remember how excited I was when we were together at. Uh, and met Todd Howard. He lied to us about Fallout seventy six. So I get it. But like, is there any questions before you go in? You know, no, 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 no questions about the movie itself. I was gonna say, um, yeah, I think you did a great job covering it. Um, I was gonna tell you my 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 the Batman has moved up in my rankings among Batman movies, and you know why? Because I rewatched Batman Begins, and I was like, okay. The Batman creeped up a little bit. I was like, this is this is this is a better movie than Batman Begins. Like this is a better movie than I it's it's in that fifth it's in that fifth slot for me right now, or fourth slot. It moved up two That's places. Fair. So it's That's fair. Right now the ranking is the Dark Knight, uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Batman nineteen eighty nine, and the Batman. That's fair. Like it, that's it moved fair. up. That's 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 more fair. Yeah, that's 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 fair. It actually watching Batman Begins increased my rating of the Batman. I was like, okay, so this is this is more like a seven out of ten. This is that's what happened to me. That's yeah, what happened to me because I, I watched, watched it in it. Yeah, and it's easily an eight out of ten. Like I said, it's a good comparison to bring it back. Critically, technically speaking, to me, the Batman is just a better yeah movie, right? But Dark Strange, Doc Dark Strange, Doctor Strange Two, Dark Man, Doctor Strange Two. Like Dark Man isn't fucking the Godfather, right? But it's a cult classic. It's a great like, movie. You, like I've seen Dark Man. I don't know how many fucking so times many I've times. seen Dark Man. It was just it's just on randomly on some fucking public access channel somewhere in a laundromat. But you watch it's it. On right it's on right now. Those, <laughs> I guarantee right, you, right. it's on somewhere right now. Right. So, like, imagine that, though, but, like, Disney behind it. It's yeah. fucking childish, bro. Like, there's some shit in here that I can't talk about right now that once we get into it, you'll see even more so why I'm excited. But, like, what I, bro, it's, if you don't go see it today, make time this weekend, get it knocked out so we can get into it further. Yeah. Because it's worth it. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to find out. Cause not talk- for everybody, though. Not for yeah. everybody. Don't Not for everybody. It's a two-hour movie. You know, not for everybody. Speaking but of Dark Man, if y'all haven't, if y'all are listening to this, y'all never seen Dark Man, y'all got to go see Dark Man. Like, that movie is, I love that movie. But that's like, that brings me back to the days of our childhood 
where we'd be watching Sunday television and some random, like you said, cable access network, public access network would just be running the most random movies. They'd be like, Dark Man, followed by Heart of Gold. And you're like, what? And you just sit down and watch them because you ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Let me tell you something though about this. Though. I, may, I may be in a minority opinion on this one. I don't know. I don't know. Like I may be in a minority opinion on this one, but it's my honest opinion. Like that shit was fucking like a well, fun ass time, bro. It was a fun ass time. We'll get into what those opinions really mean in journalism conversation because I I, I personally think that I honest to God think that right now in the age of the internet, and we'll talk a little bit more about this come come time, but Right now in the age of the internet, these these massive rating critic websites that like ag- aggregate ratings themselves, I think it's kind of dangerous a little bit. Not dangerous in a bad sense, but just kind of like it sways public opinion a little too much on certain things. We'll get into it. We're, we're, we'll, yeah, we'll that's, get a good, into that's a good segue before we get into the news. But yeah. I did let, let me let me what what. Because nothing's perfect, right? Even the things I don't like about it, though, I mean, I don't. I think are aren't the greatest. I, I pretty much enjoy it, but just for somebody that might not want to see it, I'm trying to think of things that, not to just be critical to be critical, just but just be honest. Like there are, like I'm telling you, there are some lines that some people aren't gonna fuck with. There are proper criticisms for people that feel some kind of connection to the Wandavision story. Yeah. Um. But I think they're going to fix all of that. And I loved it because Scarlet Witch, I'm wrapping back around, but fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Scarlet Witch is like, that's well done to me, actually, as far as being honest to the comic book Scarlet Witch, not WandaVision Scarlet Witch. That's a different motherfucking thing. Like, there were a couple of weird little things in it. But for me, if you know the comic book niche version of how powerful Scarlet Witch is and the respect that it commands... And what that could mean, they did a great goddamn job of, you know, exhibiting it. But at the same token, that could be something that would bother somebody else. There are certain aspects of it. If you were like emotionally connected to that TV show and you go into this film and expect what you got from that TV show, that is not what you're going to get from Sam Raimi in this film at all. Not even close. You're going to get more of like a Friday the 13th feel than anything else. And you're going to have... There will be blood. I'll just say that it, it's it's greatness. But yeah, well, I, I in think, my you know, opinion, that is perfect entertainment. Friday the Thirteenth. That is my favorite film series of all time. <laughs> I, I I watch it once a year. I watch all of them once a year. Like that is just that is that is my perfect film series. Like I will say this too. One of my favorite scenes that I did not expect. Like this is not what it is, but it was like I can't. It made me excited to see what they could do with Scroll the Conqueror. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I will leave it at that. And we will revisit this after you get a chance to see it so we can pull out a full spoiler conversation and really flesh this whole thing out because it'll, it'll just be a fun conversation, yeah. man. I can't wait for you to see it, bro. Uh, Brickhouse chimed into the chat. He said, nice stars hat. Thank you. Go stars. Screw Calgary. Go stars. St. Louis, y'all better lose. Y'all better lose to the wild. Um... All right, we're ready for some news. Let's move on to some news. You ready for that? Let's do it. News theme. Of course, man. Do I need this? Channel 4 News with five-time Emmy Award-winning anchor, Ron Burgundy. 
Chamkine's horse. Brick Tamlin Weather. And your reporter in the field, Brian Fantana. It's Channel 4 News at 6 o'clock. Right, right, for the edit. For the edit. For the edit. Make sure I got my time marker right on that one. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll never, I'll just be searching through it. Um, yeah, 49. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Sorry, now you got me wanting to rewatch the Friday the 13th flicks. No, man, go see Dr. Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness and enjoy yourself. I will. E Y E, brother. E Y E. All right. You'll understand why. First piece of news, biggest piece of news, Embracer Group. We talked a little bit about this on TikTok. Um, I covered it in a little 60-second news segment. Uh, but the Embracer Group enters into an agreement to acquire Eidos, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal. Uh, the Embracer Group, um, from what I did, I did some research on them. Um they are a group of entrepreneurs and developers who got together to start buying studios up. Um, and right now they're holding some of the biggest IPs in the world. Um, one of the biggest, the biggest IP they're holding right now is the Tomb Raider IP uh, with that purchase. <laughs> uh, they also hold Legacy Kane, which please, can we get a Legacy Kane remake already? Uh, or another entry in the series. You don't even have to do a remake of Soul Reaver like I've been asking and you've been asking for the last three years. Just give us a new entry in the series of Legacy of King. Um, this kind of brings into the question, though, is are we moving into a future where this is gaming? It's just monopoly after monopoly. It's just going to be a race to buy up all the studios? We talked about this before. I think it has more so to do with like the the technical recession going on and like yeah. people scooping up yeah. assets and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they trying to salvage themselves. Humble opinion. I don't, I mean, fucking, you know, do your own looking yeah. into it. But you know, from what we've seen, we just finished talking about this. Like it makes sense because it's been rumors. Squ- I mean, really what it is, like when you fail as large as you do with Marvel Avengers, that kind of license. Yeah. And outriders, excuse me. That's Which when, when did you not like, turn a profit. That's part of the right, news. and it I mean, I know you problem. really love that game. I, I didn't really get, I wasn't able to get into Outriders, and I probably enjoy Marvel Avengers a little bit more than the average person. But either way you want to look at it, they both were commercial failures mm-hmm. as far as you know the eyes of Square Enix. So you unload those businesses, you set yourself up to maybe get scooped up like a Activision Blizzard, which I understand having an issue potentially, and I saw. I'm not going to get into it because it was only a headline. I didn't go to the whole article, but apparently there's something going on with the Bungie Sony acquisition. But I think it's yep. just a scramble to safety to like unload these people. You got 1,100 people that have been unloaded, I believe, approximately in About this deal. About 1,100. You yep. know, saving jobs. and it, It's a tight balance with a lot of weird shit going on right now. And I think we'll get into this more as far as in the last topic when we wrap up the entirety of the show as far as, you know, you brought up a good point to talk about game and journalism. Um I think it's a good thing to bring up, you know, just in general, even off the tailwind of talking about Doctor Strange and just the media and how it feels kind of throwback yeah. and how some things as futuristic as it is. I think based on circumstances, we kind of go into a throwback era, too, in certain other aspects. And, and these are why, like when big corporations are making these type of moves, maybe it's like a historical, a cyclical, there's some cyclical historical factors that are going on here as well. 
that we might not be acknowledging. So, um, I don't know if that made any sense, man. No, That's it made sense. Mo- I hit that moment. Okay, <laughs> it made sense. All right. Uh, to 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 add on to that news, Crystal Dynamics has said that the uh, work on Perfect Dark, which is continuing, will not stop. Um, so they were they were acquired in that 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 buyout, but they're continuing to work on Perfect Dark. So that'd be interesting. I like I like the Perfect Dark series enough. Um, I don't think it's the end all be all of FPSs and tech demos but i mean i liked perfect dark 64 and i really like that 360 game they came out with I, I enjoyed them both um next piece of news there's been an update on the prince of persia sands of time remake which was supposed to come out in last year 2021 it's with this news it's not coming out in 2022 uh they've actually uh switched over to the developing studios now ubisoft montreal so with them switching studios, whatever that's going on in the background, we're not getting that Sands of Time remake for probably until either late 2023 or early 2024. Is They've released some footage from it. It looks good. I definitely want to see it. Uh, I mean, I want to know the people that's out there that's really screaming for this game. I'm a big, I mean, I like I Prince of Persia, but I, it's one of those games I, I feel like people bring it up. You know what I mean? But it's like Prince of Persia was so great. I remember this movie with Jake Gyllenhaal that nobody watched. And like all this other shit, but like, who the fuck is screaming for Prince of Persia? I don't know. I, I, that's a, that's a good question. I love Prince of Persia scenes of time. I mean, I played all three of them, the the trilogy that they came out with, and I was like, this is good, this is good. I own them still, but I have not had a desire to go back into that universe. I was like, this it feels very like. We talked about this about a year ago with the remake stuff going on is, you know, it's it's remakes and sequels now or what getting what, what get attention. It's the gaming gaming as a developing studio or as a development process is kind of falling in line to the film industry. It's like, well, people clearly want remakes and they want sequels. And well, you know, businesses clearly want to make profit and don't want to run into the, the IP trying to make it. Uh, right yeah that's yeah. it because people yeah. people like okay well Elden Ring, this is what you get and all this other kind of stuff but it's i mean it's from a trusted from software well, group. They, they they knew they were going to make money on this game yeah. that that wasn't like that big of a leap to me you know what i'm saying well and part of it too is stuff's just getting more expensive to make i mean overall it's like people i hear this argument a lot of like look at the 80s when you could just like throw together a game and it would be a success and it was just like yeah, but that's when like two guys could make a video game in their basement. What are you talking? What 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 is what data is that based off of? Because those games were fucking expensive too, relative to the time scale. No, I, no. I understand. I'm not saying that it's it's a a quarter billion dollar production on a game. I'm not saying exactly. that games have not become more expensive as far as on a scale of movies. You know what I'm saying? And and really the most expensive medium in general. I understand what they you're are. saying, they but are. relative to time. No, no, where, man, look uh, at like, the, when, like you know what I'm saying. The '80s, a VCR used to be a thousand dollars, where a thousand dollars had more yeah. value. Well, no, I'm talking so, about I'm talking about Atari, like the game development process and stuff. Gotcha. You would get stuff out in three weeks. You would develop a game in three weeks. It wasn't a great game, but you would develop a game in three weeks. There was a lot of Nintendo games that got developed in, you know, three, four, five, six weeks. It was just a quick turnaround time. Now you can't do that. It's just way more expensive. It, it, t- it requires a lot more people. You need art designers. You need dialogue. 
you need music, you need compositions, you need hitboxes and physics people. Like, there's just a whole different level involved now. Um, I know it took it took years for like a game like John Madden to come out though that people yeah. don't realize back in eighties too. So that that that's on. I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah, it's, but I, it's like relative to scale, like the available technology at the time. Like yes. now we are dealing with because it's also cheaper to make a game in a lot of ways too. In a lot of ways than it was it when when like a computer took up the size of a fucking room. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like that's it's, all I mean. It's it's cheaper, that. but you just need more staff and you need more people to make sure that all the parts interact together. Um, My bad. It's not cheaper in any any way like that, but it's also generating billions of dollars as well. Exactly. Where it didn't take, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, well, the, whole, that, that's the beauty of gaming and the evolution of and the whole thing. This is too. what I'm talking about with AAA games. Like, AAA games back in the day, like with Mario and stuff, you got to think about it. Like, you had to, yeah, you had to make sure your hitboxes were right, the level design was good, the art was good, and the dialogue was written. But a Mario game today with 3D modeling, 3D environments, the idea that you want to turn a prop, like, of course you're going to go back to Well, and, and like I'm saying, I'm just kind of alluding to, like, the video that you sent me the other day with Angry um, Merit yeah. or whatever with Contra, right, the Contra video. series. Right, you see what I'm saying? So, that was a good video. I don't know, I think some of this shit all, I think, some, again, I, I don't think a lot of this shit is as new as we think it is i think it's not my point my point is a lot of this shit regardless of it is like some of this is kind of history repeating itself in weird ways yeah and what i'm saying though is that why wouldn't a studio want to invest in a known ip when you're going to spend that much it's the same thing that was happening in the 80s when you keep coming out with super mario or you come out with pac-man and you try to go into a different direction with pac-man 2 that didn't make any goddamn sense because you take puzzles out of it to monetize it and then you go back that's what that's a it's the same we've literally had the same ips in the industry for fucking 30 years with with nintendo 40 yeah, years for nintendo they still for come sure. out for sure see you see what i'm saying so that that's all like we're saying the same thing just that's the beauty of again the show if you've made it yeah. to this rambly part of the show it skipped the tutorial podcast at, you know, we be we just talk about games and whatever fuck we like. It's well, actually a game conversation what, and what we're, having different perspectives. What we're seeing is it's been it's been boiled down to the winners. Because if you remember the Super Nintendo and Nintendo era, how many original IPs were on that thing? A ton. And most of them didn't work. <laughs> like, There's a lot of crappy Nintendo and Super Nintendo games that got put on carts and sold in stores. And most of them just did not take off. Uh, somebody did a video on, I don't know if you remember it from the Nintendo Entertainment System era, The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Like, they, they popped that and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that game. And see, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Because you can also make the argument it's cheaper to make games now because yes, you still have the high-end, big-budget games that cost a primary budget of any company's oh, overall yeah. Oh, yeah. estimated budget each year. But you also got access to like, so many indie games and so many just oh yeah you know, you've four got access people, to four people made yeah, a game like it's are out there or tunic the games you described earlier aren't made by huge big budget no. fucking entities you know what i'm saying the games you literally said that one of them was going to be game of the year is not going to be a quarter million dollar game it's a nostalgia driven no. game that was made 100%. to reflect something that was made in the in the you know the 80s basically so I think that's the beauty of the industry. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of it just comes down to like weird corporate greed as usual and trying to tell yeah. people what they want as opposed to like 
a, a democratic process and letting a real true market decide on what you know the gaming industry wants it's kind of what's more feasible like it's just cheaper and better to make discless you know options as opposed to you know <laughs> saying on one side you want to save the earth but you want to have discs at the same time it's kind of hypocritical if you will shout out dr strange too shout out goddamn elizabeth olsen for her wonderful world word word i mean rolling that um that's just reminded me of that as far as the hypocrite uh hypocritical line but no man it's uh like i say i'm not i i understand what you're saying it's just a good i think it's a good conversation to lead into journalism too and how all those things kind of connect actually as far as how yeah. large corporations work and well, control and a lot I'm- of journalism how you know journalism is expressed in general go ahead yeah and uh, no no that, that's taking the indie game market and no that's something i understand what you're saying i'm talking about in the triple a market like you had major publishers in the nes and super nintendo game who were putting out a lot of original ips that just were not successful and i mean you had lgn publisher activision konami like they were all putting out original ips constantly and you can go back and look at it and the indie game's a little bit different but i see what you're saying too um, you understand? What I'm saying, yeah, it's right. Group. I'm saying, I'm saying, like a dollar do- isn't worth what a dollar was 80 years ago as it is now. There's yes. inflation, so no, if you're looking you at that. a three million dollar game in the 80s. You're looking at a 30 million dollar game now. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't seem like it was that level of investment because we, we look at things in short scopes. But it's kind of the same, same but different type of thing. Like I think we like to. Grant make certain things more grandiose than they are like it never happened before even though I mean it is on a bigger scale you know what I'm saying and it's still relatively a young medium but we've seen this in yeah. movies as, as well it's like the same kind of theory of any kind of entertainment like yes it costs 50 million for this like or 250 million for this Marvel film right but that doesn't take away from like the the large movies in the 20s like Cinderella or some shit made by disney or whatever the fuck that's all i'm saying relative i I found some data here that says most indie publishers today it costs you about anywhere from 250 to five thousand hundred five hundred thousand dollars to develop most super nintendo games that were made on the smaller scale the original ips cost about twenty five thousand dollars to develop so and okay that's not that's is that adjusted for inflation or that's just a straight up number no, that's just because that's like that's what I'm saying. Twenty do people. Do you remember how much twenty five thousand dollars was in the eighties, bro? Let me let me let me do a comparison. Think about that, bro. Gas was less than a dollar, is what I'm saying. You feel what I'm saying? You know how much twenty five thousand dollars was in the eighties in comparison to now? I'm not saying it's still it's, more expensive. Yeah, it's sixty five thousand dollars today. That's but and see yeah. that's in the industry that doesn't even have like yeah. the access to independent movies. That sixty five thousand. That's still a lot. Oh, that's eight, still a lot of money. Yeah. That's still a lot of goddamn money for, and especially in yeah. a new budding industry that's not yeah. already been proven. That's making billions of dollars. So that's like a lot more front end money that that's not trusted. So it's just a different challenge. And and I feel like we what can the the point being is the whole point of like I'm it, like what can we learn from what happened then to avoid fuckery now yeah does that make sense yeah you could you could as go far the, as what, what the, you could go the atari route and that's the that's the difference though do is you could throw all these original ips out and you could go the atari route and end up bearing how many copies of et in the desert somewhere and your whole system crashing 
or you could rely on what you know is going to be a hit. If you're going to put $250 million into a AAA game, you're going to rely on what's going to be a hit. Unless you trust the studio, like from Software or Insomniac. Unless you trust the studio that you know that they're going to put out something that is killer, that is amazing every single time. You know, that's that's the weird difference. And that goes back to the original story. The very first news story is now people are buying up the studio. So what does that mean? Because now you got people buying up studios. So now you're forming monopolies and it's 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 getting strange (laughs) and it's interesting. But we're right now. What I think we're in is we're in a transitionary period. I think we're moving into the next stage of gaming development. And I don't know what that looks like. Web 3.0? Web 3.0. Whole world changing? Metaverse? Is that, is, that, is that the new yeah. thing? Is MySpace? Is the new MySpace? MySpace! The new uh, AOL chat rooms? Is that what's going on? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah. Who knows? But that's why. That's why. I mean, we're saying the same thing. It is corporate greed because that's ultimately, right. we're saying the exact same thing. Exactly. It's These IPs are, they, they're not going to put their money into an original IP when they know that Call of Duty, whatever, is going to make money. Madden's going to make money, but Madden needs to come out every year. That's new teams, new rosters. I, I mean, that's my my theory. That's such a that's such a clusterfuck with that monopoly. Yeah. Speaking of monopolies, Speaking of monopolies. contracts and how and and just the fucked up part of non-competitive nature. That's what I'm saying. The danger is when you take out. I mean, in this humble opinion, like you take out the competitive nature in it in the in the gaming market. You know, it's like. It's like the reason why McDonald's is across the street from Burger King. You know what I'm saying? Like, ultimately, it's going to hurt the consumer, i.e. us, if, you know, these things get too collectivized, I think. Like, but I don't know. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? I'm still, I got more shit to play than I got time at the end of the motherfucking day. Well, that's the other thing, too. We have more access to games than ever before, and we have everybody vying for our attention. Like, everybody's vying for our attention. I mean, that's every developer, every... Every publisher, like, and like, of course, games game. are more expensive now. Like, of I can course, get yeah. into 2K right now and hop on one of four of my custom made bills that's tracking all my cheesy ass motherfucking VC that I have with all 18,000 moves that I got in different clothes and everything else, and then flip right over to Elden Ring with my Samuel L. Jackson Ronin Sorcerer, and then flip over to Miles Morales, all in SDD. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you get Brickhouse makes a good point. He says Madden doesn't need to come out every year. And I was like, that is a great. That is a great idea. point. Yeah, yeah, that is a fantastic point. Unless uh, it's free to play. Excuse my. It's just my ignorance on Madden. <laughs> like, it's just not something I engage with on a regular basis. Well, you know, I gave Madden up a little bit for two K goddamn crackheadishness, and then I gave all that up for Elden Ringness and yeah. Horizon Forbidden West for a while. Thank goodness, but. I think I think all the sports games should go to free to play to run that model. You know what? I think Home you're room. probably right. Look how much money Fortnite's pulled in. That's what I'm saying. I'd be more I'd be more willing to engage with a sports game. It's it already free a free to play game. You just paying base goddamn money. You know what I'm saying? They try to push mutt down your throat and all that other kind of shit. Yeah. I'm gonna get back on that next year though, so we can run those charity. Maybe we do another charity event like we did a few years yeah. ago. He but said, anyway, all you need is a roster update for most sports games. I mean, that's a fair point. Right. Yeah, that's a fair, right. that's all they, fair point. Yeah. That's most of the time, that's all they're doing. They're showing it this year with the 2K, with the way that they're doing the seasons. And it, it looks like they're going to try to annualize it like a Call of Duty or some shit like that. I think that's the better way to go. But uh, I can see that. You know. That's my, that's my mm-hmm. ignorance on the sports games. 
Uh, next piece of news: Activision blames disappointing sales, disappointing Call of Duty sales on World War II. On World War II, um, they're saying that there was a lack of innovation of them going back to World War II, and that's why it didn't earn as much money as they have in the past. I was like, I mean, that makes sense. That does actually make sense. That makes it's like burnout, sense. though, man. I think maybe it's just burnout. Call of Duty burnout. Same, that's yeah, another game that probably another, doesn't need to come out every year. You're right. It doesn't. I don't need a Call of Duty every year. Um, Xbox Live Gold subscribers can claim three additional games, three additional games in their lineup of games this year or this month. Um, apparently, the first game is Braid. Oh, that was a classic on the Xbox Arcade Day. The second game is Joe Danger 2, and which is from Hello Games, the the developers of uh, No Man's Sky. And then the last free game is Cloning Clyde, which I don't know a damn thing about. I don't know a damn thing about. Um. Oh, my wife's calling. Let me let me let me tell her. Um, recording. That's gay, bro. <laughs> what? real gay uh next piece of news uh epic games and microsoft have teamed up to make uh for free fortnite experience through their cloud system so instead of having to subscribe to xbox game Plus, pass pass to and the xbox cloud gaming uh if you want to play the cloud gaming and you want to play fortnite you can do it for free there's no there's there's absolutely no charge to play fortnite if you want to do that I'm not going to do that, but if you want to get on your cell phone and play Fortnite with touch controls or, you know, the uh, proper controller for it, you can do it for free through Xbox. Um, next piece of news. And just to be fair, yes. I know your wife was text messaging me, you, but it was like, uh, there was this kind of prostitute friend that I got that was text messaging me about like a stock market thing that I wasn't, I don't know. And so I just, I had to address that at that point. So, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude. My apologies, man. No worries. So go, no, go no, no yeah. Next piece of news. R.P. Captain Samuels. New York is suing Activision. New York is suing Activision, targeting the CEO, Bobby Kotick. Uh, they're claiming that um, Activision Bobby CEO Bobby Kotick rushed to secure a takeover bid from Microsoft to escape liability for misconduct at the company. <laughs> and they are suing the crap out of Activision for it. Yeah, this is, this is, gaming is really becoming part of the mainstream now that Congress and all these city, states are involved. I mean, well, well I, and I, California I paved we'll, the way for this. When we get into the journalism thing, I think we'll get into more, what, maybe opinions on why that is real quick. Yeah. You know I'm I can't wait to let you breathe on that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. Uh, got a couple of other last pieces of news. We got a new patch for Horizon Forbidden West, so I'm finally going to get into that game. Um, so I'm going to be getting into that game soon. Uh, Tomb Raider sales since 1996 inception, they've been released and they say it's sold 88 million units through the lifetime of the series. Jiggle physics. (laughs) Jiggle physics. Um, removed. (laughs) Removed. They're gone. Reggie Phil's aim recently did an interview, which I found very interesting. Um, they asked him two questions. Uh, they asked him about the Game Boy Micro, and he said that they were actually forced to launch that uh, due to a lack of alignment between different parts of the business. So they were forced to watch launch the Game Boy Micro. 
Um, and they also he, they also asked him, what is your favorite non-Nintendo game? And his response was Halo. So the former American CEO of Nintendo says his, his favorite game outside of a Nintendo game is Halo. Um, I just found that rather, rather, rather fascinating. That's and, dope. Yeah, and for all my uh, for for all my uh, RPG fans and Final Fantasy fans, we got an update. Final Fantasy sixteen is pretty much done, and we should be getting a trailer coming soon. That comes from Square Enix. So Final Fantasy sixteen, which I'm looking forward to. Um, I actually was one of the few people we talk about this. We're gonna talk about this in the critic, but I think I held the minority opinion. That I actually really enjoyed Final Fantasy XV. That is by far one of my favorite RPGs of all time. I think um, we've been saying minority opinion a lot lately. It's getting weird, like Tom Cruise. But no, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right on on what you're saying. Give me two seconds. I'm going to cut the video on audio. My wife's calling again. So. All right. Okay. Hey. Oh, I'll come get it. Hold on. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry about that. I accidentally locked my wife out of the house. Don't do that. <laughs> pro tip, don't accidentally lock your wife outside of the house. It's it's not a good good look. Um, all right, so that was the news this week. You ready to get in this conversation about gaming journalism? Yes, sir. Right, so I mean, look. Let me get it, let me get it started so you can breathe on it yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah right. Go for so, it. So, I'll get my little two cents out the way because it's pretty simple. At the end of the day, my humble opinion on it is it boils back down to the money, the revenue. Like I yeah. was kind of looking into as far as like what a freelance um, journalist might get for a article, you know, with all this pretentious shit that goes along with it for like an IGN, for example. I think it's like twenty dollars. You know what I'm it's saying? So a lot of the money. right, right. So a lot of the opinions boil down. It's not like journalism back in the day with like a Nintendo Power, like kind of to allude back to the video you saw me send me with Angry Nerd with Contra and back in the day when you used to get the magazine and it used to be like the only place for people that wanted to extend that kind of content and narrative and journalism to you know express themselves and get paid for it, which was controlled yeah. by. A corporation with smaller options like unless you work for like a game informer or something like that you know like at that time that was the it now you got like youtube you got so many outlets so many different ways that people can personalize their opinion on thing and have trust for it where it's diluted the corporations and taken i think a lot of the talent and it's forced a lot of like a dying medium to go into clickbait mode which really kind of fucks up a lot of things overall. I don't think that's all good. Right? Like, yeah. as much as it sucked to have, and as much as it's horrible it is to have, like, 
a monopoly type situation with information and you don't want things to be disseminated just between three or four channels. Yeah. Right. Or just like all the the only outlet to, to be had is like these four, um, you know, a couple of newspapers or magazines. Yeah. It also keeps out a lot of bullshit, too, though. It also would keep out a lot of white noise and help maybe give some sense of objectivity. I feel like that's been kind of slipping away in some ways like if there's any kind of negative to it i mean all of an all in all i'd much rather it this way because i mean we exist because of this like our 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 opinions are able to be expressed based on the availability of the technology and, and getting everything out there right now but um i think the reason why most people feel like they can't trust corporations is because at the end of the day they're for profit businesses and whereas they had more leeway years ago because that was the only place that you were going to get this information yeah. at like that's you know they can have more of a pure critique i believe they had more time to do reviews now i feel like the actual studios have a lot more power as far as what kind of information can go out when and why and control the narrative based on the clickbaity nature of what what clickbaity story can i get put out there as opposed to just talking about the games um, and I also think it is more pertinent. Like it used, I think you could get away with a, a, a narrative about you know chip shortages based on lack of availability for a system yeah. in a you know prior to this era without it being something looked at as somebody being like oh my god I'm some other content creator that does like like that's not really a professional like us like for example like we're not like you know we yeah. just been doing it for years and we got yeah. our own prof- professions but you know. Where we'll just be like, oh my god, I don't want to hear about, you know, I just want to talk about the game. Well, how the fuck are you going to even talk about the game if you can't get the system? Do you know even why you can't get the system? Like, this is shit that I don't think would have been a conversation in an article before that would have been appreciated. That's now frowned upon and dismissive because it's not within the angle that the content creators that are outside of that corporation want to express because it's, it's got to be the antithesis or what else value are you giving and it comes down to coins at the end of the day. Not like Super Mario, brother. Yeah. Like coins in your pocket. Because bread in real life is expensive right now. And that's what I like about our show, too. Because we can talk about the games and everything else like that. But it also comes down to, like, what kind of value is it being being brought to you? Especially with our most important commodity, which is time, as other shit gets inflated away. But, I mean, that that's basically my simple answer to why I think gaming journalism is challenged right now. It's the same reason in newspapers and everything else. It's just... yeah oversaturated market you know and and i don't think it's all good i, I think it's more good than bad but it's it, we, we looking over some really possible destructive things in association with it yeah and it it it, it, it tends to be and I, I i don't know i don't think it's the journalists themselves that are really an issue at all i mean these guys are trying to make money like you said i mean i used to write uh independently and you were lucky to get 10 cents a word is pretty much on average i'd get paid 15 20 bucks an article and that really hasn't changed and this was 10 years ago this was you know not not taking account inflation and cost of living and i did that simply to supplement income and i was popping out i don't know dude i'd I'd do major studio movie reviews and i'd go to preview screenings and i'd get maybe a little bit more coin for that from like slash film where it'd be like 25 or 30 bucks um and then i would do a bunch of independent like horror reviews for like different online magazines and publications 
and I'd get like 10 or 15 bucks and I'd make, if I put out, you know, five, six articles a week, which I was doing pretty regularly, you know, I'd get 125 bucks, 150 bucks extra. And that's not much. And you're talking about people who do this for a living, who are actually trying to make it in this. They're not, you know, they're not hired into it. Um, so I don't want to talk about the journalists because I think there's a lot of credibility in that. And I think that the, they try to, they try to bring you to a point where you kind of understand the gaming industry as a whole and why this thing is the way it is. Like you said, like, do you even understand the chip shortage? Do you understand what there's lack of developers? Do even most common people understand what crunch time is and why that's having an effect on gaming and the Me Too movement, why that had an effect on gaming and, you know, um, New York suing Activision like for bad behavior, like why that ultimately affects everything about a video game itself. You cannot boil it down to specifically, I just want the game. This is more complicated than that. Movies are to a degree more complicated, but it's easier to separate the reality from that because you can kind of see the final product. You see the trailers. There's all these behind the scenes productions. There's always these things coming out and articles coming out and going, oh, okay, well, you know, that sucks. But in gaming, it's always been kind of hidden until recently, until the last probably five or seven years. Now we're understanding the real minutia of what goes into it. What my my public opinion, and it can be very easily swayed because we talked about this with Elden Ring. Elden Ring got 10 out of 10s across the board. But that's also, you have to look at it from a perspective of who's reviewing Elden Ring. You got to look at it from a perspective of who's reviewing Tunic. Like, who's the act? What is their history in the game? I'm not going to, if I'm an editor at a major publication, and I've got a guy who specializes in DBZ fighting games or Street Fighter, I'm not going to put him on Elden Ring. Because that guy might be like, man, fuck this game. Exactly. It's a fucking two out of ten. Like, what are you talking about? Dragon Ball Fighters is a goddamn ten out of ten. And you know, I'm an Elden Lord as well, bitch. I'm an Elden Lord as well, so yeah. I, 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 you already know, you know how much I, I fucking love Elden Ring. But I'm still saying, bro, there's no way. Like, name me the top ten motherfucking reviewers that finished that game before it came out, before they gave Hardly it a ten any. score. Hardly, any. like, tell the truth. That really went yeah. through that boss run at the end and could come out without really, yeah. hi- at least, highlighting that in a more strong pr- way. When you come out with your 10 out of 10. That's the only thing. You can still give it a 10 out of 10. Right. But I did not hear anybody in the beginning saying, but you know what? The inbox run might turn some people off as well. Like specifically. That's a a fair criticism too. That's because they didn't finish it. Yeah. And that's the danger of the, that's the danger. And then that's sports sparks now because I think it gives a false sense of illusion where like the angry Joes and the review tech guys and, where everybody, the Eggmans and everybody else feel like they can be more trusted than a corporation where, like, the doctor disrespects and everything else like that. Like, it, it, there may be some truth to that because you're not dealing with overall corporate think. But you got to think a lot of these people become corporations within themselves yeah. as well. And it might be even easily, more easily biased and, and motivated to give an opinion in an overall corporation wouldn't be forced to. So it's just an interesting time, man. I feel like it's a lot of growing pains. And again, well, I'm grateful for it, but... And then you aggregate the scores on Metacritic, right. Rotten Tomatoes, and then it kind of drives you to... There's not enough people, in order to really criticize something, and really, and I think you're good at this, Todd, and I think I'm good at this from doing this for years, but there's not a lot of people who have the honesty with themselves to go, no, that wasn't really for me, 
or that's not I didn't enjoy that. Look, man, because Last they're of seeing Us 2 it. is great, but that dry sex in it still haunts me to this day. Nice. Like, oh boy, that haunt my Cadillac that the other night. I, did I tell you that story? No. What? I called you. You didn't answer the phone. All right, fuck all this. I know. We, look, we gotta talk about game of journalism, but we talk about what we want. So I gotta let you know. What yeah. Happened. And then I'm gonna shut the fuck up. I let you talk. I thought I told you this. I told Dan this story. Shout out Dan. So I think this is around the time I had just be Elden Ring. So you know, me and my old lady are finally making up for whatever reason because I've been in a fucking tarnished land or whatever. So it was a good night. Yeah. I, I had a few drinks. You know what I'm saying? Went to sleep whatever everything was all good it was a good day pretty much and probably about it was 4 32 in the morning my dog is up she gets up here and knocking on the door like and it's just like is that my door is that the neighbor's door what the fuck is going on knock on the door she get up you know looking like a nightlight in the middle of the night doing her thing you know what i'm saying looking out the window she said there's somebody at my truck trying to open up the door so I look out the window too real quick, you know what I'm saying? And it's this dude in like a Dragon Ball Z orange motherfucking hoodie on looking like a weird version, like a darker version of YM Nelly, just kind of bobbing back and forth in between my car and her truck. <laughs> the door. So he obviously drunk. We looking at him like, okay, so he drunk and fucked up. Maybe he just, whatever. So like, like okay, so you know the man, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's time to, all right, we're going to go downstairs. Hard not beating fast in this situation. You know, looking at it like kind of Jason Bourne assess the situation. Like, okay, okay, yeah. we can handle this. Yeah. You know, the kind of like you know Will Smith slept Chris Rock. Like, I, I'm I'm not going. All right, we're gonna figure this out. So anyway, I get by the time I get downstairs, I'm proud of my dog because he handling his business or whatever. But like this dude still rumbling around. She's screaming, not screaming, but she's just like, now he's trying to open your car door. That's when I was like, okay, now it's a notch up. At first, you look like you're just a drunk person that walked to the wrong vehicle. Yeah. That's your vehicle, yeah. right? But like, she's like. Now he's at your door. Now he's at your trunk. Now he's at your hood. Now at this point, I ain't, you know, I ain't, you know, yeah, whatever. So I get downstairs, I get my clothes on, whatever. I kind of put my head out, and he's now by my door, right? He's yeah. now by my door. Keep in mind, dark, lime yellow. It's probably 437 at this point, yeah. right? So I open the door, I peek the door, I say, Say, bro. And he kind of still rocking back and forth. I said, Say, bro. He popped his head up. I say, Man, that's, that's my car. He said, this your car? I said, yeah, man, that's my car. He said, let me in. <laughs> I said, no. I said, bro, I can't. I, right, exactly. I was like, I'm going to let you in my car? I can't let you in my car. And I swear to God, he looked at me with rage in his eyes a little bit. And he humped the back of my car like, <laughs> mm, mm, like, mm. Mm, it's 430, it's 441 at this point. So now I go back inside, get the blicky for it, get sticky or whatever. Like, yeah. Cause nine it got weird. You know what I'm saying? Now you made it weird. Not, yeah, not by the time you I go. Could have left, but now you made it weird. Sticky or whatever. Yeah, cause and that shit haunts my. I'm just making a long story about things that haunt my dreams. That shit haunts my dreams forever, though. It wasn't the situation because he ended up walking away. He ended up strangely walking upstairs and trying to open up somebody else's door or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I was coming back, this is Texas, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you already know how to law. Anyway, like it's not. But anyway, um, not that I would ever want any kind of problems or anything like this. But this is the type of weird shit we dealing with in real life. I'm surprised I didn't tell you about this, bro. But yeah, like this happened recently where yeah, this dude. Saturday night, yeah, that, that's why when I got up that morning, we recorded, that's what it was before we recorded, when I was listening to that Gucci Serial Killer song, Yeah, and it happened the night before that, 
That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Oh, that's his, yeah, like if, like I swear to God, it was murder on my mind. It was Wyam Nelly. He was like, yeah. It was the way. It's all everything to have. I wasn't scared. I wasn't tripping. It was just the fact that he hit my he hit my car with two solid humps. Yeah, I mean, he really made it weird, bro. Like, why, bro? Just because I won't like let you sleep. Like, I guess he wanted to sleep somewhere. I think that's I what it was. What kind of drugs is that? What are the kids? Fentanyl head babies. Fentanyl head anyway, babies, bro. Right. That's goddamn. I'm too old for this shit. They be smoking that. Uh, Lover. What's been, that? They be smoking that. Uh, what was it called? What was the zombie drug that came out? Where that dude ate that bath dude? salts? Bath salts. <laughs> that's it was the, eating folk face or whatever. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But I just I'm in the house playing the game. Where I've been playing Elden Ring and everything else, man. It's the whole. It was the hump. It was the hump that did it, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah that um, made it weird. Things, things that so like that was on the level of Last of Us Two dry fucking. Like it's certain things that haunt my haunt my sleep, <laughs> haunt my dreams. And I hope you stick. Like keep in mind what I'm saying about haunting dreams whenever you go see Doctor Strange Two: Multiverse of Madness. But I know that was a bit of a sidetrack from my game and journalism, man. But you know, that's pretty much what I got this week. So yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a you know, it's it's. It's, you know, Brickhouse says that's funny. You're right. Like that is funny. <laughs> Murder on my mind. mind. It's true, man. It was the it's the it was the hump. But dude, Ugh. that's the um. Had to sanitize the door handle. That's why I get a little bit weirded out by uh, the 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 Metacritic stuff. Like, I think it like it drives people to feel one way or another. And like, if you don't feel that way, like with the crowd, the mob mentality, you become ostracized. And it's, it's like you're ostracized on this one thing. And like, and I think part of it too is people want to ultimately, because it's in our lizard brain, like we want to ultimately be part of the group. So we're just like, instead of having kind of independent thought, we, we really want to be ultimately a part of the group. And so we look for reasons to enjoy stuff we may not normally enjoy. Um, or we may not really fully connect with instead of just like holding steadfast to like, no, this is how I feel about it. And you know, that's what I love about the little the little community, the little yes. the little tr- the the self proclaimed fucking tribe. Like understanding how trolly that is, as far as what tribalism really does and how negative that exactly. Can be. That's what I love about our little community. How we don't have to give a fuck about any of that shit, and uh, you know, just believe you know hard work pays off in the end, even if that's just trying to generally leave positive vibes overall. Not always right, you know what I'm saying? But and I sometimes agree to disagree. Yep. But at least have some kind of, you know, whatever happened to Rocky Balboa type shit going on around here. That's all I'm saying, man. Like, you know what I mean? We don't have to agree on everything. But if you could change, it all could change. Like that type of shit. Yeah, like, exactly. I think we need a little bit more of that and a little less of, you know, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Quantum TV, and a bunch of people shitting on each other's yeah, bed right now. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I, I I shouldn't have done started doing what I was doing. I know I'm not making any sense, kind of rambling, man. But you know, I love doing this show with you. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. Well, we want to know your opinion uh, on anything we've talked about today. Hit us up. Skip the tutorial podcast at gmail.com, Twitter at stt underscore pod, Facebook.com backslash skip the tutorial pod. Aaron says he's going to go see Doctor Strange tonight. Man, please go see that shit, bro. Please go see that shit. Please tell us what you think about it. I look forward to coming back and us having a full spoiler conversation about Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse 
of madness, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And though I obviously love it, if you disagree, please give me or give us your opinion. You can Absolutely. reach the skip the tutorial podcast at gmail dot com. Dot com. I didn't. Yeah, I was trying to sound like a Ukrainian, but it didn't come out right. Shout out to them. I uh, hope they, you know, good luck on that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for freedom. Twitter at STT underscore pod. Uh, WWE's been epic lately. Go watch that. Just f- f- free promotion for WWE. Not like y'all need it. Uh, but other than that, that's all we got this week. Uh, so as we always do before we sign off, stay humble. Stay humble. Good night, Cambodia. And all things come together. Man, booty chicks. I, I, hey, 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 hey. I wipe knocked bo- over my I wipe boy. Whoever brick house is, that's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. All right, y'all. Have Are you going to post this video this time after this? Yeah, I fixed the options. Cool. Yeah, it's going up. All right. Y'all Cheers, have, Mike. Y'all have a good day. Good Saturday. Good Saturday.